Welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, a show dedicated to podcast advertising. If you're a podcaster or an advertiser and you're wondering how you can take advantage of this rapidly growing space, you're in the right place. On the program, we'll discuss strategies and techniques to optimize your experience with podcast advertising. Hello, and welcome to the Podcast to Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. And on today's episode, we speak with Alex Sanfilippo of Podmatch. Podmatch is a guesting site that Alex created to use AI technology to perfectly and easily match podcasts with guesting opportunities. On the show, we talk about how to be a good guest on a show, how to find guest opportunities, and really just how to leverage the entire Higher guesting space to really help create traction for your podcast and your business. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Wednesday. I'm so excited to have Alex joining me on my live stream today. I just moved from California to Sarasota, Florida about five days ago. And Alex, it looks like you are in Jacksonville. Is that the case? I am. Welcome to Florida. Thanks. I'm so excited. And I think it's so funny because I get such mixed reactions when I tell people that I'm moving to Florida, (laughs) but I'm so excited for the heat. And I think people think that is a funny thing too, but I really like it when it's hot and I love the humidity too, which I think people also don't seem to enjoy. <laughs> it will get very hot. You you might regret us talking about this already. Like in just a couple of weeks, give it a couple of weeks. I'd be like, why did I even bring it up? <laughs> I know for sure. Alex, it's been so great to get to know you a distance through LinkedIn and just some of the content you've created. And I wanted to bring you on today because I think you've had a really interesting kind of path and a history. And What I wanted to start by talking about is I think it's really fascinating that you've been a blogger for over seven years and just Mm -hmm. really recently got into the podcast space. And from my perspective, I see a lot of similarities between the blog space and the podcast space. And so I was, was curious about your journey. And let's see here. It looks like Sean just joined us. But yeah, thanks for for being here, Sean. But yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are between what the difference is between blogging and podcasting. Yeah, so I got into podcasting uh, because I I got into blogging years ago. It was like one of those things that just naturally progressed into it. And I didn't get into blogging super early or anything like that. It was probably about eight years ago right now that I started looking into it. Seven years ago is when I actually started a blog, but I looked at it a little too long, probably, but I was like curious. I was like, a lot of people are starting to do this. Maybe I should. And uh, I had a passion to write. So I was like, you know what? I, I want to go ahead and do it. So I finally like bit the bullet and overcame my fear of actually starting a blog. Now everyone's, oh, everyone can start a blog. But back then it was still like a scary thing. Yeah. Well, repeat all those feelings a few years later when I decided to get into podcasting. I was like, I've really enjoyed writing and being involved in, in, in creating blogs and things like that. So maybe I should do a podcast as well. Same feelings, probably for about a year, maybe again, a year too long before I actually got into it. But uh, I originally got into blogging and podcasting with a website that I started years ago, I guess it was seven years ago, called dailyps.com. It's a faith-based blog. And we launched a podcast with it about three years after. And that was me doing the podcast. And still this day, I still do that podcast along with my main show, Creating a Brand, which I started two years after that show. So I have two podcasts and two blogs. And it's something that I do enjoy doing. 
Yeah, that is awesome. So do you see similarities between kind of the trajectory of blogging and the path that podcasts are on? Yeah, a little bit. So blogging has always grown into like just more and more into just becoming like a powerhouse when it comes to SEO or a way to really separate yourself as somebody who's a subject matter expert. And I think mm-hmm. that podcasts have had a much slower onboarding than than blogs did for some reason. I know blogs have been around for about 20 years, but for mm-hmm. just the first five, it was, ooh, somebody's writing on the internet. That's interesting. And it became very mainstream, very quick. And then it's really for a long time, the only thing that ranked on search engines was blogs, really. That was like you had to write long form content for it to rank. That's changed quite a bit over the years, but I definitely saw that become very powerful, very fast. And still to this day, from an SEO perspective, yes, I know videos show up now, podcasts show up, all these different types of things show up, but nothing beats blogging still to this day. Good quality content that is in written form is always going to do really well. And we might see more of a transition later, but when it comes to podcasting, I've seen a much slower rise. Podcasting has been around for, I don't know how many years exactly. Since I think 15 or 2004. Okay. So we're in our, yeah. what, 16th or 17th year, right? Yeah. I, the first time someone told me about a podcast, I was like, that's so stupid. I was like, I don't want to listen to somebody <laughs> talk, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you need to download it. It takes about an hour to download and then you can listen to it while you're doing something. I'm like, what? I'm going to listen to music if I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has shifted. I don't really listen to music very much when I'm working out or walking. It's always a podcast now. So yeah. it has become more and more mainstream. It's just taking more time. And I think that even this year, I should say the last since 2018, when people started really buying up the big podcasting companies, like big businesses, like Amazon started getting into it. I just saw the couple of days ago that Twitter is now getting into buying up podcasting companies. Mm-hmm. So you see big players like this starting to buy it up, and then people are starting to monetize them, starting to really get their their viewers, their listenership up. So I'm seeing it come into a mainstream. So there's a lot of similarities. It's just like the rise of things. Mm-hmm. Now I actually see podcasting lasting longer than just about any other medium, really, because it's you can. Do it while you're doing other things. Hopefully nobody listening to us today is watching a YouTube video while they're driving, but you can very easily listen to a podcast while you're driving or while you're in the gym or while you're just doing something around the house that you can have multiple focuses uh, at the same time. And it's really continuing to grow in popularity. And we saw a huge increase in 2020. And I think that this year we're going to see an even bigger one. So I, yeah, I do see some similarities. I know I'm rambling here a little bit between podcasting and blogging. There are some things that are very similar and I see it both mediums continuing to grow, but podcasting really taking off this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that what is fascinating to me about it is that this year we, I shouldn't say this year. Oh my goodness. It's 2021. (laughs) Last year in 2020, we exceeded the million number of podcasts. So there are over a million podcasts. I think there's now probably 1.6 or maybe 1.7 million Mm -hmm. podcasts. And I remember, I just feel like everybody freaked out for a minute. And I was like, when yeah. I Google it, there are 600 million blogs out there. So right, you know, yeah. I think that we're probably just scratching the surface. And I totally agree with you. I think the power of podcasts are that you can do so many other things while you're listening to podcasts. And they just provide so much information. And we also have, I just, I think it's so cool to get to listen to first perspective of so many amazing people out there and in their in their own voice, right? In their own words. And it's not that there yeah, isn't oh, yeah. power in blogs. I think that there still is. And like you said, from an SEO perspective, but I just really love to look at the similarities between the two. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And something I'll add to it real quick. I think last yeah. year we saw an initial dip right when COVID all began and things like that. We saw a dip in sure. podcasting, but then it lasted about three weeks and then it yep. really rise to an all-time high. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that's because people miss people. A lot of people were in, in states and countries are completely locked down and hearing 
for me, always interview podcasts is what I like to listen to. It's great hearing a conversation, even if you're not part of it, when you're living in a world that really wasn't, you weren't able to have that form of community. This was like our own way of doing it. So right. weird, kind of random, but what it was like, okay, it's nice. I feel like I'm here. I'm part of this. I can hear people talking. So it was just a nice thing to, to be part of, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally, totally agree. So now you got interested in podcasts. And then mm -hmm. it looks like not too long after becoming a podcaster, you started a podcast guesting company. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So it was a natural progression. As I started creating a brand, the podcast got a lot of a lot of publicity, a lot of press. And because of that, just naturally, I started coaching a lot of different podcasters. And then I started speaking at conferences. And I had the idea actually while I was speaking at a specific conference in Orlando, Florida, actually in person. I don't know if you remember that, but we used to uh -huh. <laughs> go to conferences in person, uh, shake hands, so hug, all that stuff. Anyway, so went and did that. And I just realized that there was like a big need of people having trouble finding guests for their podcast and vice versa. There was people in that same room, there's about 2000 people there. There were authors there that saying, I don't have a podcast, but I want to be a guest on people's podcasts. Can I do that? And yes, there are the, the booking agencies, which are incredible. They're just, they're not realistic for everybody. They're expensive and that's the, the standard they've set. And I think it's a great thing. It's for certain people that are really serious about doing something, but the general population can't really use that. So I just had the idea of what if we did something that was very similar to an online dating app and just did it for podcast guests and hosts to meet automatically. So that's what we built. We built a, a program that connects guests and hosts together automatically based off of their entire, I guess, their, their niche, their profile, all the different things that they do, and we're able to connect them. And it's done really well. We've had a lot of fun doing that. So that's Podmatch is the name of the company. And it was something that was just born out of a place to help serve the community that I'm part of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is so awesome. I love that. And it really is like a social media platform in that you can go in, you put your information, and then the computer, you know, prog program or the software you've created automatically matches people as opposed to me needing to look through a list and say, oh, mm. Alex, he looks like a great person. I'm going to reach out to him. So there's like an instant kind of connection that's made via the software. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And it works again, just like a dating app. I've been married too long to actually use a real dating app. So I'm saying this from, I think, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the way we've connected it. And not every match is a complete win. Like obviously yeah. sometimes you'll see somebody and you're like, ah, oh, this I'll pass on this one. And you have that option. You can message, you can pass, or you can save it for later. And those are options that you have as you're filtering through the different matches that you have. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. One of the things that I talk to podcasts about all the time is that podcast listeners listen to podcasts. And if you're looking to grow your show, I really do believe that one of the best ways to grow your show is to get on other podcasts. Because when we look at the numbers of people who listen to podcasts, and I'm really interested always to see as the numbers grow, but um, really only about 30 to maybe 40% of the US population actively listen to podcasts. And so hmm. it's not that being on social media or being in these different places to promote your podcast isn't a good thing. But really, when you reach somebody who we know is a diehard you know, podcast listener, because they're listening, it's really a great way to grow your audience by guesting on other shows, not to mention a whole lot of fun. Do you feel like that's a, a primary goal for Podmatch? Is that that really helping people to grow their audiences? Or are you finding people on Podmatch that maybe they're just, let's say, started a new company, and they want to be interviewed on podcasts, so they're coming onto the platform? Like, who do you see using it? 
It's I would love to have a really specific demographic because that would make me feel really good. But the truth is, it's pretty broad. We have the people that are online course creators, new authors, people that have created a business, that something, a software as a service, and they want to be able to get the word out there. But also we do have the, the podcasters that have created what we call a hybrid account. And that basically allows them to have their podcast on there, but also their guest account. And that's what I do, actually. You mentioned growing your podcast through being a guest on other podcasts. I was on about 100 of them during 2020. And that's my primary focus was getting more listenership to my podcast. Mm -hmm. And my podcast grew when most of them weren't early during COVID and, and things like that. Over summer, when we saw a little bit of a spike. I was like really capitalizing top end of those things. And it was all because I was jumping on other podcasts. And on top of that, it, it helped me become a better speaker. The more reps you get, right? The better you get. So that's what I was using it for. But we've got a, a pretty big mix. But I always encourage any podcaster, get on other ones because you help add value to other people. And if there's one thing I know to be true, a great podcast guest is also a podcast host because they get it. They know what's going on the other side of the mic. And being a host is far more difficult than being a guest. And when you have a guest that can help you a little bit, that's really comforting. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally true. So can you give us some tips if you are somebody out there and you're thinking, gosh, I want to be a guest on more podcasts. Obviously, they can use your, your platform. But are there mm -hmm. other strategies um, that you might provide someone to really capitalize on the value of being a guest on other shows? Yeah, sure. Heather, I've got a few things I'd like to mention here, if that's all right, that I think would be For really sure. helpful. Okay, the first thing I want to tell people to do, because I find that people skip this step, is we need to first define quality, right? If you're going to have quality guests on your podcast, what does that mean? And it's gonna be different for each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. What is your podcast focus? Like, where do you want it to go? It's really important to define this upfront and not just be like, oh, this person looks cool. Oh, and that person looks cool. You want to make sure, okay, what's the focus? What's the people who are the people are going to be listening? Would they like to hear from this individual? So de determining what that quality is the first thing that any of us have to do to, again, figure out, okay, is this going to be the right type of guest? Because well, let's face it, you and I could both find a lot of really cool people to talk to, but is our audience going to be interested? It's really mm -hmm. important we define what that quality looks like. So that to me is, is the very first thing that we have to do, followed very closely by the second thing, which is a plan ahead with your show. So example, I know that you do this, I believe, Heather, you do this every week. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So next week, you're not going to have somebody on to talk about finding guests for their podcast. I met many people though, they just take the first thing that comes up and they'll have three episodes in a row that are all extremely similar. It's really dangerous for you to do that because people will lose interest. Now, I have a few topics that are repeat on my podcast, but I space sure. them out about every 10 weeks. And that way it's okay, cool. Alex is coming back around to this thing that we always talk about. And we like to hear, but if you do it week after week, it gets a little mundane or you're like, man, is there anything else we're going to cover on this? So I think it's really important for everyone to think about okay, what am I going to be doing for the next 10 weeks or this next year of my podcast, quarter, month, week, day? Like, What's my plan to make this thing really succeed long-term? And when you, again, those two things, we need to find that quality and plan ahead with your show. That's going to set you up for a win. And, and I can dive into a few more things, but I, I definitely want to start off with that and give you a chance to talk before I just keep on rambling here. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is really, that's such valuable information because I just, I totally agree with you. I think that it's not about really always just getting people. And, and I think that if you have an interview based podcast, especially when you're getting started, I think that it can be a little bit overwhelming because you're like, gosh, I need to find people and, oh, will you be on my podcast? And I think we've all probably experienced those times where we've listened to a show and it's about maybe business and all of a sudden they're talking about raising kids. And I'm like, why do you have this guest on your show exactly? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that happens sometimes too, that people really stretch. They're like, oh, I can make that work. 
But really from a listener perspective, identifying what is a win for you is so so valuable and what that win is going to be for your audience. And then I totally agree with you as well that if you have the exact same content week after week, that's not super entertaining for anyone to listen to the exact same things over and over. Do you feel like guests do a good enough job preparing to be on podcasts? And what does that look like? It depends. So again, like the ideal guest is somebody who's also a podcast host because they'll, they know again, right? Like they'll do their time. That's a really important question actually that you asked there. It's that's a matter of vetting. And so something that I do a lot of is I'll actually listen to that guest on other podcasts before I'll have them on mine. Now, an exception of that is if they are a, an author of a book that's at least done fairly well or has a good focus, right? It's not like the book about my life, but it's like mm-hmm. the book on how to do this. Typically, I find that authors have written a book on a single topic. If you get a copy of the book, you can really just dive into the pieces you want and they'll just go on autopilot and share some really great information without getting like all over the place. So it's important to remember, okay, am I vetting this guest? Are they going to be somebody who's high quality, who's going to cover what I want to? It, it can be scary if somebody's never been on an interview before. And I've given a few people a, a shot, if you will, with that uh-huh. never been on podcast before. <laughs> I just gave one uh, like a, a try. He's like, hey, I'd love to be on your show. It was somebody just a couple of weeks ago and I got the interview coming out in a few weeks and he was literally one of the best guests I've ever had. But he had okay. a book that was very specific. He had done public speaking and things like that. So it was just a matter of initially, he's like, how do I turn on my camera? That was the first question. I was like, oh no. I was like, what's going to happen today? <laughs> but it was like literally one of the best interviews I've ever done. It was really great. But so that was giving someone the, the, the chance. But it's a matter of really vetting that individual. And I think that if I could speak to that, just one more thing that's really important, be careful for somebody who seems like they're self-serving. If they initially ask, like, how many people are listening to your podcast? Do they, uh, would they be interested in buying this? If you hear a lot of that, uh, kind of approach that with some, I don't know, just be careful with that. Like, you don't want to make sure that you get somebody on there that just wants to to sell over and over again uh, on the podcast because it just doesn't add value. Yeah, you referenced Podmatch, my company. I've not brought it up every chance I get. And if I did, that's not really me adding value. So I think Mm -hmm. that for all of us that are thinking about guests, we need to think, okay, is this person really going to add value or are they not going to? And that's an important thing to to ask, I I believe. Right. I totally agree with that. One question I'm curious about is I think that it's really important if you are looking to be a guest on a podcast to define what your goals are. And Mm -hmm. I think to your point, you mentioned being on about 100 different shows last year. I love being a guest on a podcast simply because it gives me practice, right? Like you said, the more you do it, the better you're going to get. And so I like being a guest because it's fun. And sometimes I'm like, hey, I've been a guest on brand new shows where I'm like, there's probably two people listening. And that's totally cool <laughs> with me because right. I'm like, it's good practice. I made a good you know, connection with this person. And we know with podcasting that it could lead, maybe the show might be small today, but that doesn't mean that in six months, it might not be huge and people will go back and listen to that episode. So I think defining your goals is really important. Why are you being a guest? But one of the other points that I, I want to bring up that I think can be a little bit of a, tough, a touchy subject sometimes is that if you're looking to grow your audience by being a guest on other shows, it's being a guest on 10 different podcasts that each have 20 listeners is probably not going to have a significant impact on your audience size. So I always recommend that 
number one, you go and you try to make connections and be a guest on as many places as you can to get the practice, but also set your sights on some larger shows and maybe make some goals for yourself where you look at, gosh, if if I could be on this show, what would that look like? And how could it help? And how could I contribute value to the audience? But also how could that help my efforts to grow? Because I'm instead of getting in front of 20 people or 100 people, I'm getting in front of 20,000 or 200,000. What are your thoughts about actually examining the audience size when you are guesting on shows? Yeah. So a lot of what you said is is so powerful. Clearly, you've got a lot of wisdom in this space. Like You're not new to this. So this is something that you know about as well. I I think that when you start off, especially, it's okay to take the steps. I've been on podcasts that I don't know if anyone ever listens to. And, And I've been on some that are much larger, but that's okay. If your call to action though, like your CTA for it, right? is to listen to your podcast. Yes, it does need to be a little bit of a bigger audience to be able to actually have some traction there. Now, if you create some sort of uh, freebie for people that listen, right? If I tell them to go to creatingabrand.com slash free, which is which is my website, and tell uh-huh. them, okay, there, I'm gonna have a free ebook for you. And I'm making this up. Don't go do this because this is not there. But if I have a free productivity ebook or like a short little video or course on that, they'll give to you. Then those 20 people might actually, a good percentage of them might actually go. And that's a little bit different if you're gonna do something like that. Or if it's like you have a product or service Mm -hmm. that you're trying to sell. But also the smaller shows, you never know who they'll lead you to as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't do it necessarily to win. I firmly believe what I'm about to say here that I'm going to do for one what I wish I can do for all. I try not to get overwhelmed with the numbers or anything like that. Really, if I can help one person, then what I'm doing is worth it. And Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I remember that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I've had some podcasters been like, hey, you're on my show. It's super small. But hey, my really good friend has a show with 10,000 listeners. You did so good. Can I introduce you? Yeah. And this might shock you a little bit, Heather, but or some of the listeners today. I've turned down a few really big shows. And when I say turned down, I've told them not right now. When you're going to do something like that, you want to make sure that you really have the foundation set for it. Mm-hmm. And especially early on, I had the opportunity to go on a pretty big show and I got on it way too early. If I would have gotten on that show today versus a year and a half ago, when I first got on it, I would have converted much better. I would have made something for those individuals. Yes. And I, I didn't. So for me, I just keep those in my back pocket of, Ooh, I'd love to come on your show. I'm not quite ready yet. Let me make sure I have enough value to add to your audience and something that's specific for them. And so mm-hmm. I've got a running list of different places. Eventually I will show up on, but for now I'm playing on some of the smaller mm-hmm. podcasts, but yeah. to give that some context to people, like a smaller podcast, like if you have 50 listeners every week, I want to give this frame of mind for it. Imagine going to a room like a conference center or something like that. And there's 50 people waiting for you every single week to show up. Mm-hmm. Would you ever stop showing up to that room if they want to hear everything you have to say? And they're like listening intently. No, you would show up every single week, no matter what, like you would never skip that. But for some reason, we just hear 50 people listening to my podcast. Oh, it's not a big number. And I think that social media has ruined us to be like driven by numbers and things like that. But really, that's 50 people whose lives they're trusting and their time they're trusting mm-hmm. with you. I think it's a big deal. We have to really remember the weight of that. I totally agree. And I know Rob Walsh at Libsyn has said this. I've heard him say it several times at conferences that if you did have a room of 100 people or 200 people or 1,000 people, which a lot of times we're like, oh, it's 1,000 listeners, that's significant, right? If you were going to get up in front of 1,000 people or even 50 people and speak, a lot of people would have a hard time doing that. Yeah. The audience, I think that is such a good point to make. And I also, I had an experience early on in my career before I got into podcast ad sales where I was doing some business coaching and I was on a very well-known podcast and I was so ill-prepared for that interview. Now I look back and I thought, oh my gosh, I missed such an opportunity to really capitalize 
because this person had such a huge audience. I think I got 500 emails after it and I oh had my gosh. nothing <laughs> planned, nothing. I was like, what was I thinking? It just really, so it, it is so important, I think, to make sure that you are planning. And, and I think really having a strong call to action is also really powerful. Alex, I know we need to start wrapping this up here. So if you were to maybe just give a couple pieces of advice to people on how to leverage podcast guests, web guesting, whether that's them being on a show or them interviewing people, what would be some of your, your top tips? I know you've already given us a, a couple, but is there anything else that people should really consider? Yeah. So on the host side, I'm going I'm to mention both sides individually. First off, the host sure. side, this is probably one of the most common things I've been getting asked this year, and I've not talked about it at all. So this is the first time I'm going to talk about this, but people have been mentioning that, that they have trouble saying no to people that ask them to be a guest. So they want to come on my show. It's easy example. And I'm having trouble saying, no, you're not the right fit. So people are like, I'm realizing people are like, okay, what do I do? Like, how do I approach that? I think it really goes back to knowing the quality of your guest. Who is the person you're ultimately looking for? If you feel like someone's self-serving, they just don't fit the right place. Sure. Saying no is pretty tough, but if you reword it in a way of simply saying, Hey, listen, my audience is not exactly who you would speak to. And I think it might not be the best use of your time. And for that reason, I'm just going to pass, but I do, I do appreciate you reaching out. Right, saying something like that is so much softer than just "sorry, no." And some people don't have any trouble doing that. Some people are like, "No, get out of here." But the majority mm -hmm. of us were like, "Oh man, like that kind of you're rejecting somebody." But you have to remember that you're responsible for the people that are listening and will be listening to your show, not the person who is just asking you if they can be on their show. Because chances are, you also want to keep them on that individual who's asking you that might not be the right fit has probably asked another twenty podcasts that same day, mm -hmm. and they're not taking it as hard as you are. So I want to really remind people really protect the quality of your podcast, really get intentional with it. I found that the more intentional you get, the more success you're going to see as long as you stay consistent with it. I have a couple friends of mine that got into podcasting a year later. They look back and I don't even know what I was doing with this thing. It's just all over the place. And don't let that be you because podcasting is so much work and it's so powerful. So make sure that you're really focused on it. Be willing to say no to the wrong people and keep on looking and finding for those right people. That's It's so important that we do that. Uh, and then on the flip side, if you're a guest and you're looking to, to get on more podcasts, I, I think it's really important that you smart you start with some of the smaller shows. There is no no shame in that at all. I still love getting on those shows because I actually get to find new shows that I've never heard before. And it's a really cool thing to be able to do. And then also you're potentially helping somebody out. If you're a little bit bigger, have a little bit of a following, you're able to actually go add some value. An example of this is about six months ago I was on someone's podcast. Wasn't really big, had a few hundred listeners. And she messaged me about two weeks, or I guess it was about a month after I was on the podcast and said that since my episode that her entire listenership had more than doubled and oh, continues to awesome. which is really cool. And I don't have a big following. It was just, I was the ideal guest, the right one. And so if you're doing that, yeah, get out there, add value. You can really help somebody out. At the same time, have a good CTA, a good call to action. I always recommending having just something simple. Like you don't need to say here is 10 courses for you or five, five different things over here. Get one of my books. Just have something really simple. Say, hey, here's, you can go to alexsanfilippo.com and don't do this because again, this isn't real, alexsanfilippo.com slash uh, webinar. And they can go there and they can just get some sort of free resource or, hey, here's a productivity checklist. You can go download that for free. When you do that sort of thing, it gets people into your funnel, right? And then from there, you can do more with sales and things mm -hmm. like that. But have something specific because I've realized this. When people are listening to you on a podcast, they want you to tell them what to do next. Don't mm -hmm. leave it up to chance. Don't give them 10 different options or ways to go. Give them one clear, precise path it should be what you were just talking about and say, here is what I want you to do. If you want the 10 tips I just talked about, go to this website and download them here.
Mm-hmm. That's such good advice. Thank and you. not something that I always do, which I really need. I need to put that on my New Year's resolution list of things to make sure that when I'm guessing that I have that clear CTA, because I do think you're totally right. At the end of it, if you like the guests and you want to engage with them more, you want to know how you can get more and how you can find out more about the information they're sharing. So I think that's really good advice. Alex, thank you so much for being on my live today. And thank you guys for for watching. I appreciate Sean and Karen for commenting. And if people do want to get registered for PodMatch or they would like to engage further with you, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can PodMatch is just podmatch.com and you can set up a free account. We do our best to serve the industry. So we've made it as much of it free as we possibly can. And if you're interested in my podcast, you can go to creatingabrand.com slash listen, or just creatingabrand.com. You'll find everything I do there, like links to everything from that hub. But those are really my my two things. And I just mentioned two call to actions, which I'm not supposed to do, Heather, but here we are, right? I, so, I asked you. I, I, I you got into you. It was my fault. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're fine. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Alex. It's been great having you on. And I look forward to engaging with you more on LinkedIn and some other fun places. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about how to be a market leader in podcast advertising, reach out to us at truenativemedia.com.